edition of Second Semester Puck Talk officially. I'm your host, Spider Jack. With me in the studio after a long-awaited return is the incomparable Ben Hatchet. Two kinds. Two kind, Jack. Back in business, baby. Good to be back in the starting lineup. Fans out there thought they were safe this morning. Nope. They, they, they are not tune in. safe. They thought, they thought they could tune in to WGRE 91.5, your sound alternative, at uh, 11 a.m. Be safe, because Puck Talk wouldn't happen until Friday. We've got a new starting time. New starting Everybody, time. Mark your calendars. New venue to play at. New venue. So, same fans? Maybe. Maybe. We'll I mean, out. I know Dad's listening, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, okay, so here's what I figured out. When I reproduce this into a podcast, almost nobody listens to it. Mm. Even when we talk about people on the podcast, they don't listen to uh, it. I was... <laughs> was this a harsh realization you had or what? Well, what my boss said is that, you know, it's better to have live listeners. But we talked so much mm. about John Jensen with Peyton Turnage and... He didn't listen to a single podcast, and we said some pretty deci- you know, divisive things about John Jensen on the show, so it's good to be back here, and it's good to know that he's not listening. So, let's <laughs> run through the standings real quick, Absolutely. as we always do at the top of the hour. The St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, and the Dallas Stars still have a strong hold in the Central Division of the Western Conference. In the Pacific Division, the Vancouver Canucks have emerged... As the top dog, 62 points, followed closely by the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers, who have still not fallen off the charts just yet. And then the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning are just back to where they were last year. Boston leading Tampa Bay by five points, followed closely by Florida with 61 points. And then in the Metro Division, of course, the Washington Capitals, the resurged Pittsburgh Penguins. They sure have. And the New York Islanders for third place with 63 points. Not many surprises. Not many surprises, and uh, given the way that the teams have played over the the stretch of the dog days, we're finally into the last bit of the season here. We are going to see pretty much the same hockey we've seen since, I'd say, November. I mean, there might be a... Uh, and there might be a team like the, the Arizona Coyotes who fall off. There's about... Four teams in that Western Conference wild card. You had the the Jets, the Blackhawks, the Predators, and the Wild sort of in that bubble that maybe they can reach it, maybe they mm-hmm. can't. It's not very likely that anybody's going to crack the top three anywhere else. And in the, oh my gosh, in the Metro Division, or in the Eastern Conference wild card, there was the Columbus Blue Jackets who are on eight two and zero run right now, right top of the leaderboard. Shout out to six, Coach, yeah. Shout out to Coach Puste, and then of They're course a six game win streak, and then the Carolina Hurricanes with the second wild card. So I mean, Ben, I know you've been out of studio for quite some time. Was it the was the last time you came in here right before the Christmas show? Yeah, it would have been twenty nineteen. Wow. Yeah. So it's amazing how January flew by and just couldn't get back in here. Well, I mean, that's not your fault because you're dealing with a lot of uh, new student applications and all that, right? Right, right. Big time over in the admission office. This is turn the page into the new year and have a majority of our applications in and spend time reading and getting everybody their decision. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just given what you see in the standings right now, do you foresee any changes? Are you surprised by anything? Like, I'm, I'm not too surprised, really. Um, I think it'll be... Interesting to see where the wild card teams shake up. Obviously, that's an easy prediction and pretty safe to say. What I'm most interested in, though, is is you've got many teams 
when you get out of, out of this all-star break, while most teams are playing 50 games, you know, the average team right now, any, everybody's played 50 games. So yeah. that means we've got 32 games left in the season. Mm-hmm. A good chunk, less than half, obviously. So this is a, the back, you know, quarter or third, or however we want to divide that. But you have a lot of teams, like the Penguins, for instance, who aren't playing until this Friday. Mm-hmm. So a lot of teams have a mandatory, it's required, a mandatory week off when you have this All-Star game. And you have some players that haven't taken the ice because they weren't in the All-Star game. So where I'm going with this is it'll be interesting to see if those teams that are red hot, um, they might be a little rusty a game or two. So those wildcard teams could edge in just a little bit closer if they play well in this like weak lull. Mm-hmm. Um that's one thing that's interesting. The, the Penguins haven't played. They played uh, the Tuesday before the All-Star game. Yeah. And then uh, they're going to play again tomorrow, and it's Philly back-to-back. So they played Philly uh, that Tuesday of last week, and then they'll play f- tomorrow. Well, I mean, Philly is no team to disregard right now. I mean, they're no. a team that's fighting right now. They're exactly. a team that's... And they showed, it, they showed it last Tuesday night. So little things like that can add up. But, but yeah, back to your point, I think, I think this is going to shake up. Kind of like how it we we usually would expect it. Um, I bet Vegas can try to edge in there. Um, yeah, we we said it from earlier in uh, season one how Vancouver came out of the gate and they've held. Yep. I, I think I think it's safe to say they're going to be in the playoffs. Well, I mean they're riding hot goaltending, right? Right. I mean that's a team that you wouldn't suspect would be playing well, but. You know, maybe we kind of slept on Vancouver a little bit because Elias Patterson is yep. leading the way. You know, um, I think I, I personally slept on all three of those teams. Yes, they're doing well, but Vancouver, Calgary, that whole Pacific lineup right now, Edmonton. Yeah, we we know the star power exists there. We just haven't seen it come together. And last night, a great example of the Battle of Alberta. Mm-hmm. You had Calgary and Edmonton go into a dramatic overtime game, and. Uh, Calgary came out with the win, 4-3. Well, I, what did you think of that whole Cassian to Chuck debacle? Because I remember talking about this a little bit earlier in the January shows. Zach Cassian was not the aggressor when he got suspended for two games. And he just got back, just mm-hmm. got rewarded with a contract, and basically immediately goes after Matthew to Chuck. Right. Who is a known... Um, well, what can I say on live radio? He's a known agitator on the ice. Sure. Not like a... Like a fighter, but he's more of a guy yeah. that just you know occasional stick tap to the gloves, occasional sure, sure. you know, y- you know what I mean. He's he's a guy that makes you a little bit mad, right? So, what are your thoughts on the Cassian to Chuck debate at the Battle of Alberta, which, by the way, should have been on prime time? Oh yeah, that, that was a prime time game. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. You've got two guys that both are, are feeling some swagger. I think. Uh, you you talk about the storyline with you. You have a known agitator and, and a guy who's kind of making a name for himself right now. I think I think those uh, those rivalries come together, and that clash is going to keep happening whether you like it or not. I think I think both are now established, and um, I think that's kind of the the mantra, the the dynamic between those two. I don't know what more what more to say on it other than you know it's going to be something fun to watch. I think, I, I, yeah. in all honesty. Well, yeah, and. Um you know, those are two teams that are fighting for spots in the Pacific Division right now. And who would have thought that Edmonton has just hung on this long? Because James Neal cooled off, mm-hmm. and that was basically the secondary scoring for a long time. Goaltending has sort of, you know, not been 
red hot, but I mean they've been good enough to hang in there. Right. They're still holding third place. It helps when you've got some some point producers, right? Yeah. I mean, and Dry Sidle McDavid, what more do you need? Well, they're putting up put somebody put somebody in the net. Gretzky numbers, basically. <laughs> they they slowed down, but they were. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if they're going to hit 200 this season. No, I, I don't. They were, but but seriously, they were on a pace. We talked about it at like the start of December. Yep. There was a time where they were had like 50 points in less than a quarter, half the games. Yeah. And um, the projections were they were just. Uh, Kind of ten, five to ten points off from Lemieux and Gretzky numbers. Yeah, and but, you, you know you look at this division as it shakes out right now. <clears throat> I think it's fair to say that the San Jose Sharks have officially fallen off, mm. uh, and of course Anaheim and the Los Angeles Kings have. But those five teams—Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Vegas, and Arizona—that's going to be a lot of fun watching down the stretch. It's going to be a lot of fun watching down the stretch because Absolutely. from the top dog to fifth place, the difference is five points. Yep. Right? Edmonton has one game in hand compared to everybody else, but you that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins survived without sure Crosby. Oh, without a lot of people. Without Still a lot. without Gensel in the lineup. There was a neat graphic I saw, I think probably at the start of the year or maybe into December with looking at the number of players in the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup that have missed double-digit games, yet they're still hanging in there. And we'll talk more about that when we return from our break here. Yeah, we're going to take seven-second break. Later in the show, we're going to have John Jensen, the Milwaukee Admirals correspondent for Penalty Box Rated. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. This is Bill Lynch, head football coach at DePaul University, and you're listening to 91.5 WGRE. Well, maybe not. Maybe he retired this year. Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack and Ben Hatchett. Yes! But shout out to Coach Dietz. Hey, he won his last Monon game, and we... Uh, new, new head coach. New head coach. Yep. But yes. Yeah, Bill Lynch, Lynch won his yeah, last one. Absolutely. All right. We were talking a little bit about the Penguins, mm-hmm. and uh, basically they've been riddled with injuries. They've been here before. Um, there's a really neat article. Um, I'll have to figure out how to bring that up in another segment. But basically breaking down uh, <laughs> how this isn't your your grandparents' Penguins. These aren't your parents' Penguins. These aren't even your Penguins anymore. Uh, this team looks very different from the Cup winners back-to-back a few years ago. Yes, the core is somewhat still there. You've got... Chris Letang, you've got Sidney Crosby, of course. You've got Okady Malkin and Matt Murray, who back when he was uh, a rookie just a few years ago was became back-to-back goalie winner. He'll probably be the only uh, fun trivia stat where can you win two cups and only have one season in the NHL? Yes, you can. <laughs> well, I guess Matt, so. If you're Matt Murray. I guess so. Um, but those big guys have all missed uh, double-digit games. You look at their point production, um, it's been all down the starting lineup, and you have many having double-digit points. But if this team can keep hanging in there and get everybody healthy, which right now they're back with, with Crosby and Malkin healthy and playing, and Latang as well. Gensel's really their big guy who's left out. They have a few injuries with uh, the D-man Justin Schultz and uh, a few other players. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, goaltending has been the story for the Penguins. Matt Murray, who everyone expected, of course, to be stellar, and he has his moments. 
but he's been a little shaky. And Tristan Jari has really come up big and helped uh, share the load, so much so that he got all-star honors and made it into the, the all-star game just last week. Yep. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but um, looking at a guy like John Marino, who's a rookie, and he's put up 23 points as a defenseman. Right. I mean, you talk about production from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it turns out that the young guys are really helping these teams succeed because Quinn Hughes, who's a defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks, has 36 points right behind uh, Kale McCarr, mm-hmm. or as we like to call him Callie over here. Hacker. Yeah. Or as we like to call him at Puck Talk, Cole McCarr. Um, <laughs> you remember when I mispronounced his name like three times? Yep. And no, nobody, nobody wanted to correct me, but <laughs> you just sort of hugged me out to dry there. We're nice people here. <laughs> but um, how many games did Crosby miss overall? He missed about uh, six or seven weeks. Wow! So if you if you spread that out, it was it was really November, and he just got back in January. So, so I missed mean, missed the month of December, a good chunk of November. Yeah, I mean they're they're performing, I mean, and and since he's been back, I mean most most nights have been. You know, multi-point production. He's instantly got back into the mix and is playing really well, which that's what everybody expected. But he hadn't had a core injury like this before and have a surgery quite the way that that he went through it. But everything looks good. Yep. And the Penguins have the second most wins in the Eastern Conference. Right. Of course, trailing the red hot Washington Capitals, which. Mark your calendars. I know everybody's got their Super Bowl plans, but you can make it a full day of events on Sunday. Tune in to NBC. I don't know if we have it. If, if I can name drop, I don't know if that's okay. <laughs> but hey, NBC, like I said, nobody listens to the show. NBC, you're well. You're welcome. Then, well, you you have a connection now <laughs> in, with NBC. We'll need to bring that up. We don't know. We don't know who's listening. You've got you've got your contacts. Uh, no, easy, easy, yeah. easy. <laughs> we'll have one we'll Doc Emmerich. <laughs> Doc Emmerich on the show <laughs> later this season. Big fan of Puck Talk. Big Doc fan Emmerich of Puck is. Talk. Yeah, I got got his picture with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell that story a little bit later. So on Sunday before the Super Bowl, you can tune into NBC at twelve thirty Eastern Time and watch the Penguins play the Capitals in Washington. So that's oh, be, that's such a good that's game. That's going to be in prime, you know, midday. That matinee hockey. There's nothing like it. So that'll be a great game. Um, Interesting stats. Malkin's or Malkin. Ovechkin's probably put up fifty points in their number of matchups yep. against the Penguins. Sydney, however, Sydney Crosby's put up about seventy in their matchups head to head. And they've played now gosh, a good number of times. Shockingly, the, the statistics I believe are thirty to fifteen to something. I was just looking at it the other day. Um the, you know the rivalry, how heated it is. I think there's many years where the both teams are rebuilding and figuring out their place, but it doesn't matter what the 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 score is or the no, the, average, it, the average is going into. That'll be a great game. Yeah, and by the way, congratulations to Alex Ovechkin who scored his 693rd goal. That's right. That was last night, climbing one ahead of Steve Zerman. Zerman, excuse me. So wow. Yeah, Ovechkin is. One of the all-time greats, and what a way to honor the late Kobe Bryant by switching out his number from right, 8 was, to 24. I was going to talk about that. There, there was a moment where I, I wondered if we should break it to Ovi that he also wore the number 8. 
But <laughs> I think I think I think I, he I was think well aware. That was <laughs> I think he was well aware. When I saw that headline, I was like, well, wait, Ovechkin already was wearing eight. That's still kind of special. A nice nod to him. Well, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be as special. But uh, on a serious note, our hearts go out to the Bryant family and all the families affected uh, in that horrible helicopter crash. And, I mean, you talk about a guy that stopped the world, you know? I mean... Everything shut down, and it's now Mamba mentality. And remember Kobe Bryant, and I think that that's a really special thing that it's recognized across all planes of sports. Um, it, it was one of the most heartbreaking stories I've read in a while, and I just wanted to say that if you are one of these guy, if you're a journalist. That's just looking for response and um, just looking for hits and likes and you're going to tweet what you think you know instead of what's actually confirmed and reported or if you break news before the family that's affected is notified, you are a bad journalist. First and foremost, TMZ should have never released that story before the family was notified and ABC, CNN and NBC and Fox News all just botched it. Just completely and totally botched that whole story. So uh, if you are a, a rising journalist or a current journalist or a retired journalist for that matter, know the difference between what you know and what you think you know. That's my spiel. No, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. There's a I mean, I don't know if we're going to have a moment quite like that again. No, and it, it's it's hard because what what do you do when you when you talk about someone that that is kind of larger than life and a statesman in the sport of, of basketball, but also um, an industry leader and an incredibly an incredible father, um, intelligent man. You know, so I think everybody kind of got to that point where we got to we got to get this story out. But you're absolutely right; it's it's terrible when, when families are learning of that for the first time, and that's. That's how they discover it. Yeah. But it's been a weird week because of that. You can't help but watch some of the highlights. Yeah. Um, I was at Delta Upsilon last night, and everybody went to a room, and we were all just hanging out, and somebody said, you know, man, I think I'm just going to turn on Kobe Bryant highlights. So we watched Kobe Bryant highlights, and I refused to do my homework. Nice. Yeah, because I'm a college student, and I am stressed out. So moving on, because I'm about to get teary-eyed. Let's talk about the NHL All-Star Game. Right. What a mess. What a mess, indeed. Um, it, the NHL All-Star Game, gosh, just a few years ago, was was actually pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this one was was plagued with all kinds of... I mean, you had big-time players dropping out of the All-Star Game, more so than ever before, and I get it. You've got a lot of guys, especially getting up in their careers now, getting older and need a few days. And there were a few unique cases. We talked a little bit about Marc-Andre Fleury bowing out and not accepting the honors to go into the All-Star game. Mind you, he just lost a father in this past year and hasn't really had a chance to be with his family for more than, you know, to have four days off is very rare in any professional sport, but in hockey as well. So I think there's more to that that particular dropout, but you had a lot of players across the league. Ovechkin. Ovechkin, of course, is one of them. Turn away 
the All-Star game. So that, that kind of undermines a little bit, and I get it. I completely get it. But that the NHL is going to really have to think about how they build this and incorporate this into the year. The skills competition, for me, has always been a highlight and star of the night. This year, they replaced the accuracy competition with this LED light board. The thing was super inaccurate. Usually, if you've ever seen a little bit or know what we're talking about, the, the accuracy contest is when a player will, will hit a series of targets. So they're lining the perimeters of the goal. So you have different slots that you're... It's like a really cool target practice show. And you're yeah. watching these players compete in like under 10 seconds of knocking out all these targets just with a hockey puck. Mm-hmm. So this year it became a LED light board, not even really a goal that they would hit. And they would have graphics shoot up. And it was just super inaccurate. You could watch players that were clearly nailing what would be a target there, but this board isn't registering. And so that, that just became a very anticlimactic and, and almost fake-looking competition. Yeah, and they had the, the, the puck tracker. Yeah, and, the puck tracker is always interesting. And the, the, the names the during name. the warm-ups. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. When you have all the names. So they would they would play, you know, imagine like a, a, a speech bubble or like a talk cloud. Mm-hmm out of like a comic book but shooting it to above a player so you can trace it around the ice and when you have like 50 players on the ice you've got all these speech bubbles yeah and they only did it for a few minutes to show off like you know the, the capability of it but it's it's almost comical it like, doesn't like cool dude you went to graphic school nice job yeah you got these tracking it this ab- tracking technology it, it added absolutely nothing to the event it added absolutely nothing to the game and to be honest with you the way the game was played it's mm. like I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to. I don't want to skate too fast. I don't yeah. want to, you know. Which I understand that yeah. aspect of it, but still, it's like make it exciting. I don't want to watch this if it's just going to take forever. Right. Most most exciting part of the night would have to be, or the weekend would have to be Friday night. Oh, USA Canada. Women's three on three battle. Oh my! It was exciting. Gosh. I wish. I wish a little more scoring. It was two one. Why? Goaltending was superb. Goaltending was superb. Um, that was that was definitely the NHL needs to keep that. That was incredible. So I mean, the, fund so, it. Yeah, fund women's hockey. Right. Players from the women's national team for the U.S. and Canada played in a three on three matchup. That was the the big Friday night event of All Star Weekend. It was fun. It was. Cool. It was so much fun. People want to see women's hockey, right? You want to see that sport evolve. You want to see aspects of the sport evolve. That's where you start. Invest in women's hockey. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. loves women's hockey. If you watch it, yeah. The NWHL is doing some cool stuff, and they're they're in their sixth season now. Mm-hmm. The National Women's Hockey League, and that's that's really getting going. But I, I think it is gonna it it's gonna take some collaboration with the NHL and you got to get it on TV. You got to figure out where whatever the streaming service is and I mean throw throw a game on like a like a Friday night. Right. Or a or I don't know a, a Tuesday night. Like a night that is not designated for the NHL only. Throw on a women's hockey game. Yeah. I'm serious. People will tune in. People want to see it. People want to see that sport evolve and grow. And if you don't you are kind of a bad person. Absolutely. No, I mean it's it's the the women's national team for the U.S. Uh, much like soccer, who just made it through exhibition round uh, against Haiti. Awesome game. Um, the women's hockey team for the U.S. has done far better than the men mm-hmm. in the last 
few years, especially gold medal winners. Oh yeah, in the last Olympics, so that that team's always fun to watch. But really cool to have it incorporated in in the All Star game. So in in my opinion, that in all honesty, that was the game I watched. I didn't pay any attention to the uh, the divisional. I, there's no need to. So it's 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 a fun weekend. Um, I just think, gosh, St. Louis is a cool city. They could have done more. Um, I'm just glad that it's being introduced. I'm just glad that there's a, there's now a clear platform. Like, yes, that was the best part about the All Star Game. Keep yeah. that. Let's see more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think an outdoor outdoor game would be cool. Like, get some NBC billing because mm-hmm. that that's really worked for the NHL when they when they kind of did the redevelop with um, post lockouts and everything. Developed the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. I think that got a little more clout and attention outside of just the the usual fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but the NHL still is, I think, one of those leagues that has probably that in the NFL had probably the two uh, strongest fandom followings. Mm-hmm. You know, their their arenas still are pretty packed, and the NBA is like that too. Um, but yeah, but I I really really liked that aspect, and the only thing about the divisional games that I really enjoyed was that that rivalry between Tuchuk and Drysidle. Sure. Where they don't even acknowledge each other after they right, right. That that was that that that's the stuff I want to see. I want to see more women's hockey, and you know, let's make it happen, NHL. All right, folks, we're going to take about a minute thirty break. Coming up next, we have John Jensen, penalty box radio correspondent for the Milwaukee Admirals, the Preds AHL affiliate. You're listening to ninety one point five WGRE, your sound alternative. All right. I know this isn't any fun to talk about, but we should. So, who's going to do what? Flashlights? Nowhere to be found. Where to be found. Batteries? Dead. Great. Emergency supply kits? Not packed. No. What about blankets? We have an old towel. Good enough. Cell phones? May not work. Uh, emergency water? Not a drop. And what about food? Nope. Perfect. We all know where we're meeting if we're separated, yeah? The library! Aunt Joan's house. The bus stop. Great. And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Sounds like we don't have a plan. Who's up for mini golf? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Are you tired of trying to track down and follow all of your favorite WGRE DJs and broadcasters? Fear not, listeners. I have the perfect solution for you. We're on Twitter. Just follow us at WGRE Radio to get updates from your favorite college radio station as they happen. Now you can sit back and relax and still be in the know. WGRE, your Twitter alternative. Your Twitter alternative. That's new. That is new. That is new. Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack and Axe. Coming on the show right now is Penalty Box Radio correspondent for the Milwaukee Admirals, John Jensen. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jack. Good to be back. How's, how are you guys doing? Doing well. We're great, man. We're, we're living the dream right now and just, you know, hanging in there with this... Uh, with this weird weather we're having in Greencastle, what's it like up in Wisconsin? It's actually uh, it's warmer than than it should be at this time of year. It's uh, been in the mid twenties, which I know a lot of people will think is 
very cold. But oh, that's uh, balmy for uh, you all. I'll tell you this: this this time last year, Jack, it was negative fifty degrees outside. Right. <laughs> so are you all are you all in shorts up there? Is everybody hitting the beach? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah okay. For sure. Good dude's doing some ice fishing out on the lake in our shorts, <laughs> tank tops. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so. John, we're going to have you on for the whole half hour because, you know, we uh, we want to rough you up a little bit. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, first and foremost, the Milwaukee Admirals have absolutely torn the AHL up this year. Ooh, I mean, who are the big players? Who are the big stars? What has contributed to this success? For sure. And, and I remember... At the very beginning of the season, when you had me on last time, my prediction was Western Conference Finals for for the Admirals, and I still stand by that. They have been outstanding so far this season. Big players, uh, I would say usual suspects. We expected Daniel Carr, the reigning uh, AHL MVP from last season, to be a big player. He's had 17 goals and uh, 36 total points in his 33 games. In Milwaukee, it just doesn't seem to translate when he gets that call up to Nashville. Cole Schneider's been good. We expected that. He's specifically on an AHL contract. He has 30 points. And then uh, Trennan is actually still sitting at number three on the Milwaukee Admirals roster with 29 points. And he's only played in 24 of the 45 games that the Admirals have had this season because he's had those extended call-ups. So those three are big players. Rem Pitlick is the rookie that is kind of... Um, over, I don't want to say overperforming, but he, he surprised me a little because it took him a little while at the beginning of the season to even get his first goal. Uh, but since then, he has racked him up. He's sitting at 14 goals, 13 assists for 27 total points on the season. He's played all 45 games with the Admirals so far. Yeah, no, he's been on fire and played a little bit in Nashville last year. And then he's back down here. Uh, I really like to see that Daniel Carr is having success with his Admirals team. I think that he's been a difference maker in a lot of um, a lot of areas. But the guy that everybody was eyeing in the preseason was Ellie Tovenin. Everybody's like, "When's Ellie coming up? When's Ellie coming up?" And he's not. He's not coming up. He's just not. He's got twenty points in forty-five games, splitting ten goals and ten assists. What's going on with Ellie Tovenin? I want to say that it's bad luck because I've watched Ellie Tolvin and play for these last two seasons. He's obviously a talented player. He, he works hard. It's just not translating to production. He leads the Milwaukee Admirals in shots on goal. He has 124 shots in 45 games. The next highest is Daniel Carr. So we would kind of expect that, that Daniel Carr would have a lot of shots. But Ellie Tolvin on 124 shots only has 10 goals. He has the lowest shooting percentage on the team with two exceptions, Josh Wilkins, who's played 43 games, and Mika Salamaki, who's played 31. He's got a 6.2 shot percentage. Well, and I mean, sometimes it's sometimes you just have a bad year, but it, this seems a little bit a little bit cryptic in my opinion, because I'm not really sure what the Predators expect out of Ellie Tolvanen or if he's just going to be an AHL guy for the rest of his career. But do you foresee uh, a drastic improvement within the next couple of months? Or are we just chalking up to this is a bad year and you know we'll see what he does in training camp next year? You know, I'm hoping for the Predators' sake that it's just it's an off year. But 
when you think about it, this is his second season in the North American Professional League. You, you would expect that in the rookie season he have a season like this, but he actually uh, was performing at a higher level last season with fewer games because he did have um, a, a small call up to Nashville, but then also played in the World Junior Cup last year. So um, I'm a bit surprised to see where it's at right now, but it's it's starting to look like he could be a career AHLer, or I would say it's even possible if towards the end of his contract, if this doesn't improve, that he makes his return to the KHL to perform over there instead of staying here if there's not an NHL future for him. It's, it's tough to say. Well, it is tough to stay, say, and especially since you know, it is only his second year on North American ice, and Philip Forsberg needed a little bit of time to develop. Uh, speaking of Philip Forsberg, two assists, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, two assists last night in Nashville's weirdest game yet, where Nick Benino scored on UC Soros, and Jared Tenorti and Yannick Weber notched goals. So, what the hell was last night? <laughs> it was a typical game between the Nashville Predators and the Washington Capitals. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head. It was weird. Uh, you, you don't expect Yannick Weber to score uh, really ever at this point. Like We all expected the season was going to end with Pecorine having more goals than than Yannick Weber um, and Jared Tenorti, I, I feel like he was eventually going to get one. I don't think he's as odd uh, out on as Yannick Weber was. But yeah, it was a weird game. It was really nice of the Predators to just give Alex Ovechkin that goal to pass Steve Eiserman. Bad um, <laughs> play by UC Saros, and then yeah, Nick Benino. I think is starting to kind of show his true colors a little more than when he was overperforming in October, November. Uh, and part of December. So I, I don't know what last night was, but I'd kind of like to see more of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it, like you said, it, it, UC Soros knew that Ovechkin was sort of nearing that total, and he was like, hey, Ovechkin, I know you had this big record coming up, and I just wanted to give you this. So just, you, you remember me in your Hall of Fame speech. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, Ryan Johansson is suddenly uh, has suddenly decided to start doing things. I don't know where this has been, but he was paired with Austin Watson and Callie Arncroke against that horrendous five to two loss against the Maple Leafs. Is Johansson moving towards? Um, that role where he's not a top center anymore or is this just a down year for pretty much everybody in the top six for the Predators yeah I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive I think I think that Ryan Johansson is a great player he's a great center he deserves to be on a top line that has the right people around him the second that Nashville doesn't put the right people on his line. He's no longer at that caliber. So it was nice seeing a, a better line for him last night. Obviously, the Jofa line was the story of last season. So we can see what he's able to do when he's surrounded by good players. Uh, but, you know, you can't expect a player like Ryan Johansson to perform very, very well when you're giving him wings like Austin Watson or Callie Yarncroke 
Uh, it's just not going to happen for him. So I do think he's having an off season. I think a lot of it has to do with a complete lack of chemistry with who's been on his line so far this season. And that's kind of been the story of Nashville all season. is, And part of last season was too many line changes, which makes it impossible for any chemistry to grow. So I think that's what's plaguing Ryan Johansson at this point. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that we get some steadiness there for him and he can he can get back to his old ways. Well, and I'm looking at total ice time last night, which was really interesting to me because Matthias Ekholm was on the ice for 29 minutes and 19 seconds, and Yannick Weber was on the ice for 7 minutes and 39 seconds. So I'm not going to say that John Hines doesn't trust Yannick Weber. I am going to say that Matthias Ekholm spent half the game on the ice and Yannick Weber didn't even spend eight minutes on the ice. Why? (laughs) Uh, I would say the Nashville Predators are definitely missing Ryan Ellis at this point. I also think that they're having some trouble with with their pipeline for defensemen. They they brought up uh, Alexander Carrier, um, and he just didn't perform the way that, that was expected of him, um, and it just didn't seem like he was a viable replacement for anybody. Dante Fabro's had some growing pains, but obviously he's more trusted by John Hines than Yannick Weber because he spent you know almost 19 minutes on the ice as opposed to the almost eight minutes that Weber was on the ice. But they need Ryan Ellis back. They need him back healthy. And I would say that the Predators should maybe spend some time on what that pipeline looks like and figuring out who is the next person in line if we have another major injury. Like if, if Matthias Ekholm got hurt a month from now, the Predators would be completely out of luck on defensemen. Yeah, yeah, they would. They definitely would. And, you know, I'm sure Ben realizes that the third pairing on a defensive, uh, on a hockey team, it's always bad. Right. You're not going to get much time. You're, you're not going to get much time out of them. You're Especially not... in a game like this last night, when it ends at a 5 4, you're, you're getting your top lines out there to rest for a few minutes. But the, the pace and the tempo of last night's game, you were, you were getting your starting group, your core back out there. You're trying to cycle players in. You're trying to cycle players out. And every third pairing on every NHL team is pretty bad. Just There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Every third pairing is pretty bad. But this is just ridiculous. This is just absolutely and completely ridiculous. And I'm glad that Yannick Weber scored a goal. But I don't know if he just scored a goal or just kind of threw the puck on the net. Hey, it all works, right? I, I mean, get, I, I, I guess. But John, I'm looking at ice time on the forwards, and boy, oh boy, am I excited to report this! Kyle Turris spent the most amount of time on the ice with 20 minutes and 46 seconds. You got to be happy about your boy. I am You're getting 21 minutes on out there. I'm so excited for Kyle Turris because he was just so underutilized and underplayed. John, what are your thoughts on Kyle Turris getting out of the Laviolette doghouse and into the Heinz, um I guess, what 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 what's the opposite of a doghouse? Like a cotton candy house? house? 
He's in the house. He's in the house. Now. He's in the house. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on Kyle Turris getting in the house now? Uh, Kyle Turris has always deserved that ice time. You know, he didn't thrive under Laviolette's system. It's good to see that John Hines wants to give him more playing time. And like you said, he had the most out of all the forwards. I'm obviously pretty partial to Kyle Turris because he was a Wisconsin Badger in college. Uh, and <laughs> I, you know, I love my Badgers. So um, I've always enjoyed Kyle Turris. I think he's going to start turning things around. But but I'll, I'll say this. I think he has a similar issue that Ryan Johansson has. He's he's not always surrounded by the best players on the team, which makes it hard for him to do much. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about a couple of months ago where he would have these brilliant plays going and then another person on his line would completely screw it up. They weren't in the right place. They didn't shoot the puck when he passed it to him. Um, so I think a lot of Kyle Turris's problems are similar to what Ryan Johansson has going on. So as long as he has good line mates, he's going to be really good. But, you know, he had that assist last night, spent the most time on the ice. I, I hope that we see that continue. Yeah, no, definitely. And we're going to take a seven-second break. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. I'm Red Bear, Fox News Angle. You're listening to WGRE. Didn't mean to play that one. Just kind of picked one, and there it was. So... Hope we didn't lose some... Uh, Always folks. sell it, Jack. Always sell it. I, I you did mean to pick that one. I, I really didn't mean to pick Fox News on that one. So, uh, welcome back to Puck Talk with uh, Spider Jack Axe. With me on the call right now is... <laughs> is John Jetson. <laughs> Man, this show's so crap. <laughs> Why are you saying this? <laughs> God. So one thing, one thing I'm curious to pick both your brains on. We we talked a little bit about you know that that potential next man up, who's coming up in the lineup, whether it's with the Admirals or the or the Predators. And I don't think we've been able to talk too much in the show together about about the move for John Hines. Yeah, and I I, I messaged Jack a little bit, and I was like, really, this is your guy. <laughs> this is this is what we're going with. Do you remember the, the Devils at all? Which, by the way, that'll be exciting tonight. Oh yeah, for his return oh, yeah, to yeah, Prudential yeah. Center. John Hines going back with the with the Predators to take on the Devils tonight or tomorrow night. I think it's tomorrow night actually. John, what I mean, it's tonight. Yep. John, go go ahead. <laughs> I, I still am not sure what to think of John Hines. <laughs> I think that he's addressed a couple of issues that people were starting to have with Laviolette. Um, you know, one of the the complaints that I'm seeing from fans right now is with the lack of production by the Predators that, well, this is what people are saying, is that it obviously wasn't coaching, so it's got to either be the players or it's got to be David Poyle, which just feels like Predators sacrilege to ever talk about the possibility <laughs> of David Poyle losing his job. But um, I, I agree to an extent that it was never fully Laviolette, but firing a coach is something that professional sports teams have to do when things aren't changing. And so... It was weird to me that it took so long for the Predators to get to that point. Um, Predators fans are very strange when it comes to their attachment to certain people uh, when really those attachments should maybe be dissolved. I think John Hines is going to be okay, but I would not be surprised if at the end of this season, if the Predators miss the playoffs, if David Poyle tries to make another move with his coach. Um, I don't remember if I texted you this, Jack, right when they announced John Hines, but I was really frustrated that they didn't let go of Lavi at the end of last season when mm. Joel Quenneville was still out of a job. Right. 
Yeah, no, you didn't text me that, so thanks for telling me that on air that you um, just decided not to text me about somebody that. somebody that. I, I mean, I, I really genuinely appreciate that, um, John. That's that's one of the nicest things you've ever said. I was going to text you, but I had another friend who was yeah, a little more... Yeah, I, I had another... I, 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 every time I get a message from Jack Woods, I typically just you know click on it and then swipe left because I'm not really going to look at what he has to say. Um, yeah, no. Just really... Really sticking it to the masses here, John Jensen. Um, let's talk about Mikhail Glenland. And that is his name. And that's how we say his name. It's Mikhail Glenland, not Michael Grandland, as uh, Willie Donick likes to say. Um, he's heating up. I don't know what's happened to uh, Mikhail Glenland, but he is heating up. So now that we sort of see this. Mikhail Glendland that was advertised with the Wild. What are we going to see in the coming months? Because this is a contract year for both Glendland and Craig Smith. Longtime Craig Smith. You know, Wisconsin Badger Craig Smith. Uh, skies and empty netter Craig Smith. I mean, we have this guy who's a very inconsistent but very streaky scorer and then Mikhail Glendland who's had less of an impact than Preds fans would have hoped. So, given what we've seen out of both of those players right now, if you had to make a choice, who are the Predators going to go with in the near future? Cleveland or Smith? Part of me wants to say Craig Smith, so I never have to say Mikhail Glenland's name on it <laughs> ever again. But, I, but we, we appreciate your honesty on the show. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's got to be Glenland. I, I just think that Craig Smith at this point, and I'm sitting here uh, while my Craig Smith bobblehead is staring me in the face on my desk <laughs> while I talk about him being cut by the Predators. But, it, yeah, I think his time in, in Nashville is, is coming to an end, unfortunately. And, you know, he's he's actually from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so I do have a lot of attachments to Craig Smith. He's one of my favorite players. But I just think his time is coming to a close. And I think that now that we're seeing Glenlin perform closer to what was advertised, He's a great player. We're, we're seeing him score goals. They're, they're good goals. Some of them are dirty, which I think that the Predators need at this point in the season uh, while they're trying to turn things around. And if he's going to be an active part of that, I want to see him continue that for future seasons. Yep. Uh, I'd have to agree. And, you know, one place that I've always said they said that Craig Smith would thrive would be Pittsburgh. Hmm. I mean, you talk about a team that's known for their scoring wings and you give Craig Smith a consistent center because Craig Smith has been cycled through with many centers. He was with Benino earlier this year. Sure. He was with Kyle Turris two years ago. You know, he's he, he's he was with Colton Sissons in the latter half of last year. So Craig Smith has been cycled through with many centers and he has put up the same kind of Craig Smith numbers that we would suspect, like 25 goals, uh, you know, between 20 and 25 goals and throws in a couple assists here and there. So if he's given a consistent center, he might do a little bit better. Uh, I, I would love to see Craig Smith uh, stay as a national predator, not only for the fans, but just because that's where he was drafted. That's where he's played for the last 10 years. And he's the only guy who's spent uh, as much time with Roman Yossi and he still hasn't gotten an official leadership title. Still hasn't gotten that A. Sure. Which is really upsetting to see. But, John, we're almost out of time. So I wanted to mention that I had Peyton Turnage on the show. Who? Peyton Turnage. 
Oh, is, is he the guy that does the play-by-play from his couch for that Alabama hockey team? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's from his couch, but I do know that he is on record for saying that you suck. Hmm. Well, you know, at least he knows who I am, right? <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm not ever one to stir the pot, although I love to stir the pot. Um, what is your main problem with Peyton Turnage, UAH broadcaster who loves NASCAR. <laughs> I think you just said it. He likes NASCAR. I mean, what is that all about? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, pick, he, pick, he, pick he one. He me for a little bit uh, while he was on your show, so I had to dig at him. Yeah, and then he said something nice. So Peyton is one of my friends. He's one of my best friends. But uh, he's just... Uh, we're both very easy to make fun of, and uh, That's we for like sure. to make fun of each other very frequently. So uh, I don't I don't know that I have a main beef. He likes NASCAR. That's that's pretty weird. I'll go with that one. Well, that couch that couch jab was was pretty good. That was a great <laughs> that was a great line. We're gonna need to have it. We're gonna need to have that as like a soundbite and something just like who is that? Yeah, he's the guy that <laughs> he's calls the guy from the couch. couch. <laughs> you don't sound like that, but we're gonna try to make it sound like that. Can you say it like that so we can have that soundbite? <laughs> We'll, we'll do it later. I'll record it from, from home, and I'll send it to you. Perfect. Record that it is... from your couch, please. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Take a video, say it like that, and then every time that Peyton you know, decides that he's going to talk a little trash on Twitter, I'll just like, he's the guy that... Oh, my gosh. That is one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. Well, John, what do you, what do you think looking ahead? Big matchup tomorrow night for your Admirals against the Wolves. Yeah, I think I think that the Admirals have a leg up there. I will say that they had some trouble with the Wolves here this month. For this month, uh, yeah. They, yeah, they had a um, a loss on January 18th, three days before that. Um, they did win in the shootout, the, the Admirals did, but it, it took uh, getting to a shootout in order to beat the Wolves. I, I do think that the Wolves pose the most divisional problems for the Admirals. Sure. But I think that they're going to they're gonna pull it out. I, I was early i was worried at the early parts of this month because we had three straight losses which was the first time that that had happened uh i'd have to go back and check potentially all season but definitely back to october uh and i don't know if if you remember jack but last february the milwaukee admirals only won a single game that month so i was worried that that was gonna happen and they luckily did not uh, have that happen. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. I hope that momentum carries them past the Wolves tonight. Yeah. Sorry, tomorrow. tomorrow yeah, 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 yeah. We, we know what you meant here at Puck Talk. Um, I'm going to ask one more question about Jared Tenorti, and then I'm going to tell the story about how I met Doc Emmerich at the Winter Classic because we're running, we are rapidly running out of time. So, Jared Tenorti, does he belong in the NHL? Not based on what I've seen so far. You know, one one goal does not change the fact that maybe he doesn't belong there. I do think that the Predators have better prospects for uh, the defenseman position. And since we're really just talking about filling in a spot on that third pairing while we wait for Ryan Ellis to come back, I don't think he has a place on the Predators roster. I'm not sure what team he does have that place against. Um, I, I think he's an AHL player. I think he's a good leader for the Admirals. He's their captain, so they're obviously missing their captain at this point. But 
I think that he he does belong in the AHL. Is he as useful as Austin Watson? <laughs> uh, Don't worry, I, Abby Austin Miles Watson does useful? not listen to this show. I promise. <laughs> Abby Miles does not listen to this show. Um, okay. Is Austin Watson useful? Is the question that I would ask back. Well, uh, apparently he is. He's useful at. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to air my grievances with Austin Watson. So I'm just. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to tell the story about how I met Mike Doc Emrick at the Winter Classics. The legend. So it was New Year's Eve, and I was going to the Penalty Box Radio New Year's Eve party at the Marriott in Dallas, and I wanted to grab Whataburger right before. So as you should, well of, done. Of course, the mustard burgers, as Jonah's story just loves to elaborate on for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the best burger, it, without a doubt. I, I don't. But tell your story. Sorry, I have just had to get a got a plug in there. Of course, because you're a spokesperson for Whataburger. Am I correct? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get him here in Indiana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to raise awareness for Whataburger Ben Hatchet. Um, Tell your story. <laughs> so, me and my sweetheart were calling an Uber, and we see a big black NBC sports fan, and I'm just like, oh, I wonder who's going to call the Winter Classic. Could it be Doc Emmerich, who's always of called course. the Winter Classic? Of course it is. And he gets out of the gets out of the van, and he's got a briefcase. That's clearly way too heavy for him. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got like all of his papers and sure. notes in it. Probably nothing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> just rocks. <laughs> and he said, I, I walk outside and I immediately recognize him and I go, oh, that's Doc Emmerich. And he turns around and he goes, yes, it is me. How are you today? Oh, my God. And he is so sweet. He walks up to me and I go, I am one of your biggest fans. I love listening to your calls. You have inspired me to try out play-by-play. And I'm just spilling my heart out to Doc Emmerich. And he's being so sweet and so kind. And And he says, kid, you're never going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, my sweetheart Olivia was like, you know, you're really bothering him right now. And I said, I know, I know I am, and I know he's really busy. So I go, okay, can I get a picture with you? And I, he goes, absolutely. And we take a picture, and because he was so sweet, I am never, ever, ever going to post it on social media. Right. I'm never going to post it on social media. But um, the best part... <laughs> The, the the best part was that he said that we looked like such a great couple, oh. and I said we have a New Year's Eve party tonight. Penalty Box Radio, you should come join. And here's what he actually says: I wish I could make this up. He actually says, "I would love to, but I have to call my wife and do my homework tonight, and then I'm going to go to bed early." Oh, and I was legend. like. Mike Emmerich is the sweetest man on earth, and I am so privileged to have met him. And hopefully, he never, ever, 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 ever listens to this show. He's listening now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, thank you so much for joining me uh, today. It's been a lot of fun talking with you, per usual. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, Mike Emmerich story? It was it was so great, Jack. I, I really I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna listen to it on the podcast over and over and over again. Thank you. Was it that boring? No, it was a good story. <laughs> was it that was bad? Great. Was it like Peyton Turnage liking NASCAR bad? 
nothing that bad. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in to 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Our new not- time this semester is 10 a.m. through 11 a.m. Eastern time on Puck Talk. So with that, let's play the news. AP News. Good morning. I'm Ed Donnie.